a Faith That Obeys podcast, 032, Deathbed Conversions. In the age-old argument of whether baptism is necessary for salvation, our next objection is the Hail Mary of all objections. It's often employed as the last desperate effort of an anti-baptism proponent to reason out that baptism is absolutely not necessary for salvation. It comes at a pretty high price when we think everything through logically. So, what is this final desperate objection? What about someone on their deathbed? This is an argument based on timing. This is an argument which appeals to emotion, and here's what it says. It is inconceivable that a person on their deathbed who makes a sincere commitment to Jesus that Jesus would not recognize their inability to participate in water baptism and Jesus should therefore save them. In other words, if someone is unable to be baptized, God should see their heart and make an exception. He should let them into heaven because they're dying and can't be baptized. If we remove the timing aspect, we get down to the core of the argument. God knows my heart and he knows I'm a good person. This becomes a really emotional argument because we all know many deeply devout loved ones who were religious believers and have died, but were never baptized in any way, shape, or form. If we claim water baptism is necessary for salvation, it would leave these dearly departed in an unsaved state. We look at their pious life and reason out a way of salvation regardless of their ability to obey the gospel. We know our dear old Aunt Katie was a true Christian because she never missed a church service. This frames the first problem with this position. Without realizing it, we just made dear old Aunt Katie's salvation based on her good deeds and works in her time here on earth. We don't want to do that especially when we so ardently proclaim that we are not saved by good works. It does not matter how awesome Aunt Katie was or how she served the poor and ministered through her church to the orphans in Zimbabwe. We are not saved by works. Since this can be such an emotionally charged debate, we need to think about it carefully. In this argument, we're saying that Because someone could not do something before a particular point in time, they would be lost. When we wrap it up in a deathbed scenario, it gets really dramatic. But at the core, this argument says, if a person can't physically do something, in this case, they can't get baptized, they will not be saved. Time is up, and the possibility of a strenuous activity like baptism is out of the question for the individual on their deathbed. Here's the second problem with this argument. It's a pretty huge one. We say, this is not fair. It's not their fault they got sick. It sounds really black and white. It's even a little harsh. Is God that picky and hard line? At this point in the game, we begin using our standards of judgment instead of the Bible standard. Without realizing it, we're actually attacking God. We reject God's plan of salvation and substitute either our own ideas of how things should work or embrace the popular traditional plan which tells people all they need to do is invite Jesus into their heart and they're good to go. Well, let's try something. 
Let's move the timeline back just a little bit and place this person who's now healthy in a wonderful church service listening to a great biblical message. She decides to respond to the preaching in order to accept Christ as her personal Lord and Savior. She stands up in response to the preacher's call, begins to approach the altar, and suddenly chokes on a mint and dies right there in service. What a mess! This wonderful old lady dies right before she actually accepted Christ as her personal Lord and Savior. Is she going to be lost just because she was unable to do something? In this scenario, accepting Christ as the method or action of salvation is actually a works salvation event, isn't it? Evangelicals tell people, if you do not accept Christ, you'll be lost. In our other scenario, the issue is water baptism. In both cases, the lady was given an opportunity to respond to the gospel, but was unable to do so. We think God should see her heart and let her into heaven based on that. So, what you're telling me is, God could see her heart, but he couldn't see the mint. Do you see where this is going? It's not a good argument. In fact, it's probably a really sad argument for someone who believes in a loving, benevolent, omnipotent God who knows everyone's heart and everyone's future. Do we really want to believe that God does not provide ample opportunity for someone to respond correctly to the truth well in advance of their death or physical inability to do so? Do we really and truly want to accuse God of dealing people an unfair hand? Now, there's another problem with this argument. It's a hypothetical. It's designed to evade the real issue. And what's the real issue? It's you. It's your defense. You're not defending dear Aunt Katie. You've only used her as a surrogate. This is your protest against obeying the gospel, and you're not even on your deathbed. You are able to respond. You are able to get baptized. This argument is an emotional protest against you yourself obeying the biblical plan of salvation. If we really wanted to know what God does for people on their deathbed, why do we invent such emotional fabrications? Why not simply go to the scriptures and ask God? Look at 2 Kings 20. Hezekiah was on his deathbed. He sincerely prayed to God, and God gave him 15 more years to live and get his life right. Somehow, I'm pretty sure God knows how to save truly sincere people and provide ample opportunity for a good heart to respond. Is it not strange that we cherish the sinner's prayer for salvation and accept it as perfectly fine, even though it has no biblical basis, but claim baptism is a work of man, and yet there's so much written regarding baptism in the scriptures. In our scenario above, if this person did not do something before their death, there would be a consequence. Why even reach out to the lost if God just lets people into heaven based on the content of their heart? In both of the scenarios we've explored, a person had to respond to the gospel. Which response do you think is scripturally correct? Saying a prayer for salvation or having a faith 
that obeys. Well, thanks for listening. Join the argument at www.afaiththatobeys.org slash blog.